2: It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Wednesday, August the 4th. We come off another Phillies victory last night. Yet another game against the Nationals that you just felt like they were going to find a way to lose. And they don't. Yet again, the Phillies surprised me. Two games in a row. How about it? And... For the second game in a row, the Miami Marlins handling business. Isn't it nice to see another team, in this case the Mets, struggle to beat the Marlins when they need to beat the Marlins? How familiar does that feel? Hello, New York Mets. We see you. We see you right now. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. The Mets lose 5-4. The Phillies win 5-4. The Phillies only one and a half games back in the New York Mets right now. Now, the Braves, only two and a half back, too, as this is getting a little real in here. Uh, all three of these teams right in it, and, you know, I, I would not count the Braves out. The roster is depleted and beat up, but at the same time, they made some moves at the deadline. Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario, they added to that outfield where they lost to Cunha, and they are the team that's won the division the last few years. Like, this is a Braves team that knows how to win in September when they need to. So, you know, we focus a lot on the Mets-Phillies of it. We can't forget the Braves part. And honestly, it would not be shocking if at the end of this Mets Phillies thing all year. The Mets and Phillies both Mets and Phillies to the point where the Braves just sneak in and win the division. So so later we'll look at all three of these teams Is I, I do think it could be a three horse race. We've really thought of it as a two horse race. It could be a three horse race, but I will say the best thing going for the Phillies winning the NL East right now is the New York Mets. Is having the New York Mets in this division. The New York Mets continue. To disappoint the New York Mets in their last ten games are three and seven, three and seven in their last ten have not been playing good baseball. Have lost three straight. They obviously struggled against the Marlins, and all of a sudden, don't look now, the Mets are as bad a road team as the Philadelphia Phillies. How about that? Basically, the exact same record on the road. Just Phillies have played two extra, but the Mets on the road are twenty-two and thirty-one. The Phillies are 23 and 32. Who saw that coming? <laughs> I didn't certainly didn't, but I'll take it. As a little bit later, we'll look at the schedules of these teams, see if there's any distinct advantages. We know the Phillies quote unquote have an easy schedule, but you know, you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. But um this division's getting real. It's getting uh it's getting exciting. And like we talked about yesterday, um, you know, while the Phillies have been quote unquote in it the last few years and certainly last year with the wild card thing it didn't feel special or exciting but it does feel like we're setting up for at least a stretch from where we get to watch the scoreboard where we get to be invested how fun would that be if this team can just keep us in and give us a run and obviously get over the hump being the the, the ultimate goal but um, it feels like we could have a little stretch run here. It's pretty fun here, watching scores, paying attention to the Mets games, watching the Braves. Who's going to win? What's going to happen? It could be pretty exciting, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. And uh, obviously, the Phillies again have a real chance. As we've talked a lot about this Phillies team, and it is you know you 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 get so micro when you watch a team play every single game of the year. You know it's a lot of baseball, and it's a lot of ups and downs, and it's a lot of Peaks and valleys and all that stuff. And, you know, this Phillies team has been remarkably consistent in their uh, averageness, their mediocrity, I suppose, as they are now game over 500. So trending in the right direction, but have really hovered around there since the start of the season, since that six and one to start. But, you know, you can look at this roster, look at how they're put together, and especially with the moves made at the deadline, say, hey, they, they're, they're better than this. They can be better than this. You know, and uh, especially with the schedule and all that, I mean, we have the um, stigma of the last few years in September and late in the season and them against the Marlins and that whole thing that that is attached to us that we feel as fans and thus it stops us from being able to fully open our arms and welcome them in, so to speak. But it does... um, you know, it does kind of also blur our ability to to maybe see through that sometimes and say, all right, you know, just cause that happened the last year doesn't mean it's a lock to happen again this year. And they're in a division where they got a chance. You know, that's really what it comes down to. As we talked about yesterday, and I'm sure we'll talk about it many times, you know, any other division in baseball, we're looking at next season already. We're talking we were talking at the deadline about maybe selling, you know, because they're so far out of the wild card and so far out of any division lead that they would be in um so you know being in this division is a real advantage and it's something that they can take advantage of and and perhaps end this long playoff drought in a season where you know maybe they wouldn't have if they were in another division but sucks for everyone else cuz that's all that matters you know that that you, you you handle what you the the cards you're dealt so to speak and the phillies um hopefully can can turn it up a little bit and and you know really Take this this weak hand that the division has been dealt, or this weak set of cards and come out with the ace high or whatever you want to call it, you know? So uh so this is good. This is exciting. I'm I'm starting to get invested in this team. Again, they're they're infuriating a lot of times, they're frustrating. We still again, as I just talked about, have that inability to watch a game without all this history and all this recent history really seeping into our subconscious as we watch these games and really informing the way we uh, the perspective through which we watch these games, but um, and and thus it's hard to you know, really jump in full, full on, you know, two feet, so to speak, off the, you know, off the edge and jumping in with two feet, so to speak. but um but I'm, I'm starting to get excited about the the situation they're in and the potential that this club, from a talent perspective, from who's there can be better than they've shown, and the fact that if they can be better in this division, Things could happen, you know. So it's exciting. All right, let's get to last night and we'll look at um, quickly uh, uh, prior to the game. Brandon Kinsler, goodbye. Brandon Kinsler released. Um, can't say I'm disappointed. Uh, Brandon Kinsler, uh, not a great run with the Phillies. Let's say you know, not a uh, something we'll look back and tell our kids about the the time we were there to watch Brandon Kinsler pitch for the Phillies. I don't think that's going to happen, Kinsler will end his Phillies career with a 6.37 ERA with the team. So, um, goodbye, sir. I don't think, uh, you know, look, nothing personal, but uh, I'm certainly not going to be upset about not watching Brandon Kinsler come to pitch into a game anymore. That is for sure. Other quick news prior to the game that we get, Girardi talking on the McCutcheon injury, um, saying uh, nothing alarming, which was great to hear, quote-unquote, Girardi said, we just didn't feel like it'd be a couple days we think it'll calm down with this stint. Our hope is to get him back when it's over. That would be obviously huge. We talked yesterday about how, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's, it goes without saying how important McCutcheon has been to this team, how important he is to this lineup in a lineup that has lacked power at times. that has lacked mashers at times. Um, he's been one of the few guys who's really come through in that aspect. And since June 1st, Really, not many hitters in baseball have been better. I know that sounds hyperbolic, but it's true. You know, you look at the numbers, the OPS numbers, the the home run numbers, all that stuff. He's among the better hitters in baseball from June 1st through the injury he just had. So hopefully he can come back quick and also come back good to go, as that is uh, obviously a massive part of this team. All right, last night, Phillies win, and another... In the uh, uh, unlikely variety, not in the sense that, look, going in, you're, you got Zach Wheeler going against Patrick Corbin. You say, all right, we got this one. This is a game we should win. And you felt like you were going to because, you know, Wheeler's dealing. But then, you know, it all kind of just got a little scary, as usual. And we get to the point where, um, you know, it's the ninth inning. It's a one-run game, and, and it gets scary. And and we'll get to it but with Jose Alvarado on the round. it really thought they were going to lose it because of that. But let, let's go through it. It starts off. With a bang, literally and figuratively, Gene Segura, first at bat of the game, boom, home run off of Corbin. Um, awesome to see. Gene's been really good about getting, the, getting things rolling quickly. And again, Gene has just been obviously so good for this team, batting three oh seven on the season, a three sixty-seven OBP, the four fifty-six slugging percentage. Just a really nice season for Segura. He's been exactly the version of Gene Segura that we all hoped we would get when they traded for him. I mean, you know, people forget with how frustrating the Segura experience has been here, obviously. Um, and, you know, the whole McCutcheon injury a couple years ago and his role in that and how he has said that he took that to heart and he started drinking more and all this stuff. And it just, we haven't seen the version of Gene Segura that when they traded for him was the guy who had batted over 300 three years, three years in a row, was one of the better bat-on-ball hitters in the sport, someone who... Just had a knack for for you know getting his bat on the baseball and putting it in play in spots where fielders weren't. You know, just one of the better pure contact average hitters in the sport. And we haven't seen that. We've seen flashes of that guy. This is you know other than the injuries he's had, it feels like the first season where he's really put it together for this Phillies team and really being the Gene Segura that we hoped he could be, the spark plug offensive player at the top of the lineup. And certainly, you know, uh, uh, we we see the mental lapses obviously. But in terms of just pure second-base play, is a, a fine 2nd baseman. I you know, he's not horrible, he's not great, but he's, he's fine. He can play second-base, but has certainly been a spark plug at the top of the lineup. Gets him going one nothing early, and then it, it just felt like one of those games where it was going to be one nothing for the rest of the game, and it was going to be all Zach Wheeler needed as Wheeler was cruising. No hitter through four, ultimately gives up a hit in five, but really was dealing, was it a low-pitch count cruising through it's one nothing as they're just zero for zero each team frame for frame until the seventh inning comes along one nothing. You're still a little nervous because it's one nothing and we know how this Phillies team is where, you know, like we saw the the game before and Grant they came back to win in the ninth, but that two one lead, so many opportunities to add to it. They didn't you know, so it was one nothing, then the two nothing lead. They they so many opportunities, and they just couldn't capitalize and left runners on base and all this stuff uh, to add on the one nothing lead, then the two nothing lead after they scored that second run should have scored more runs, and then Ryan Zimmerman gets it to make it three two, and then the Phillies have to come up with the Rogues in the ninth, and and that is awesome that they won, but frustrating because we've seen so many times when you know they haven't been able to add to that lead and it's come back to bite them, and it felt like last night was going to be that. Then we get to the seventh inning, and thank goodness JT opposite field shot home run it didn't look like it was going to get out one of those where even the outfielders going back it looked like it was going to bounce off the wall and all of a sudden it's just gone it's two nothing and you're feeling great and then just a couple batters later Alec Boehm gets on base and Ronald Torres just continues to be so much more than we hope this guy could be is a two-run bomb, a big one. And I will say, and they were showing, the thing with Toreas, and it's something we talked about with Galvez coming here, the energy that he brings. I think Toreas is that kind of guy, too, where, you know, they showed uh, during the game, they were showing the guys um, playing that game, um, like, it's not pepper because there's no bat, but the idea of, like, where you're kind of, you have two balls, each player has two balls, and you're kind of juggling them back and forth until someone drops. And and for he won it. You know, great hands. But also, like, the, uh, you know, won it, and he's, like, jumping on Luke Williams and, you know, flipping up in the air and doing all this. Like it just, you could tell like Toreas brings a, a fun and an energy to this team that is needed. We've talked so much this season about that, about the lack of energy, the lack of leadership on the road, the lack of the ability for this team to create their own life. And we've seen it. Look, they have been lifeless a lot of times. That Friday night game in Pittsburgh, the one or we know, they didn't show up for that one. Guys like Toreas help you show up more often than not by just bringing that energy, bringing that excitement, bringing that joy of the game, which I think Freddie does too. And I think Toreas shows how valuable that is. Four nothing. We're feeling good in that moment. Then all of a sudden, Wheeler cruising gets into the seventh and starts to run into some issues. Wheeler ends up giving up two runs in the seventh. Now, um, not all his fault. Some seeing eye stuff. Some some bad luck. But ultimately, an RBI ground out and an RBI single make it four to two. He's able to get out of the inning without giving up more. It really felt a little scary there, but able to get out of the inning without giving up more. Um, we head to the eighth, and, and, you know, 4-2 game, you're still feeling all right. Wheeler's still on the hill, but who knew? Who knew you would need just one more run, and Bryce Harper knew it. Bryce Harper goes yard in the uh, in the top of the eighth, a smash, an opposite field just crush. Unlike J.T.'s, it went off the bat, and you knew immediately it was gone. Harper's 17th of the season, nice to see the power from Bryce, the power hasn't been quite as much as we expected or hoped. But i again talked about his numbers yesterday. And we'll talk more about some stats uh, tomorrow. Look at kind of where everyone stands heading into the weekend and all that. Uh, as we've not done that really, you know, since since the All Star break, the second half of the season type of stuff. But man, Harper just continues to crush. 301 average, 414 on base, and a 553. Slugging percentage. That is a stellar OPS of 967. The man has a 967 OPS this year. Harper is having a throwback Harper season. And, yes, the power hasn't been there quite as much. We still got 17 home runs, so he's on pace to end in the 20s, in mid-20s, not as much as you want from him. But the numbers are there. He's been just awesome. Again, betting 301 and, and just finding ways. Uh, you know, the, the first time we've seen Bryce Harper look so comfortable and confident in the box every time he goes up there where you know he's not just swinging for home runs he's really taking what's given to him you know we've seen Harper so many times just kind of go down and poke a ball to the opposite field for a single or a double or kind of just softly take one into a, a gap like you know he's he's really been much more comfortable and fluid at the plate than we've ever seen him as a Philly. Really, we saw at the beginning of the season, I I, I know I've said this before, I'm telling you, if Bryce Harper doesn't get hit in the face, I think he's an MVP frontrunner right now. I really think that's the kind of season he was heading for, and look, his numbers are are heading in that direction again. So if he doesn't miss all that time, who knows? If he doesn't kind of slow down after that, who knows? But Harper, again, just bringing it in, that was a massive, massive home run last night. It makes it 5-2. to two. It was so massive. Because then Wheeler, you know, kind of falls apart again in the bottom of the eighth. Gives up a two-run shot. It's 5-4. to four. They take Wheeler out. Hector Narris. Hector Narris. Is he back? Is Hector back? I still don't feel totally confident when he comes in the game. But Hector looked great again last night. A few great outings in a row. Did have a walk, but able to get out. Got a big K in the inning. Um, so it's 5-4. We're hoping for more runs there in the top of the ninth. We don't get him. We head to the bottom of the ninth. And who's... The last person you want to see coming in from that bullpen in this spot. Who is it? Yeah, it's the guy who just blew the game on Friday night in Pittsburgh. It's Jose Alvarado. But since he used Ian Kennedy in a 15-2 to game, and the next game, you know, a 7-3 to game, which is fine, but, you know, not ideal usage. All of a sudden, oh, we're in a spot where, yeah, uh, Jose Alvarado has to come back in and close this game. And I thought for sure he was going to blow it. Like, I, I was so confident. I was so confident that Alvarado was going to blow it. There was just no doubt in my mind he was going to blow it. He didn't. He had a perfect inning. One inning, two strikeouts, no hits, no walks, no runners, done. Jose Alvarado just came and shut it down. It was so unexpected. Delightful to see Zach Wheeler gets the W. Good for that Cy Young case, 9-6 on the season. Um, and again, just a gutty, tough win. You know, a really... Uh, uh, Un-2021 Phillies-esque win. They they handle business. And uh, really, really, really awesome to see them them taking advantage. Now, they've already s- split this series. Now, in true Phillies fashion, don't lose the next one just to be like, oh, it's over. Like Let's win the next one. Let's have a chance to sweep. Let's go. You know, the, the it's a big game tonight. And then tomorrow, a uh, big game, too, as you are heading into a series with the Mets this weekend. Any ground you can cover before then is massive. You got Chase Anderson against... Espino today, so neither pitcher is stud. you got Espino has been better than Chase Anderson, but that's not hard for anyone to do um, And then Nola versus Joe Ross tomorrow. So you feel good. Nola's been really good the last couple starts So, you know, if you could steal one today, you could sweep the Nats. I mean, that's huge Especially in a series with the Mets Especially with the Braves continuing to play good baseball um, It's a big big game tonight Big game. We'll get back to it. Let's quickly, uh, and like I said, I want to look at some stats later in the week, but but um, we talked a lot about just being the Mets and the Braves, but, I mean, just being the Mets and the Phils, but I think we absolutely have to include the Braves in that now. Is when you look at the standings, the Phillies are a game and a half back in the Mets. The Braves are two and a half back. They are game buying the Phillies. It's right there. The Mets are 55 and 51. The Phillies are 54 and 53. The Braves are 53 and 54. Um, and, you the Braves, actually, in terms of run differential, are far and away the best. The Mets are minus eleven. The Phillies are minus seventeen. The Braves are plus fifty four. So, in terms of you know what uh, the the projections and metrics would look at, you know, the Braves have been playing better. So, it can't exclude the Braves. I think all three are in it. Uh, the Mets have been just playing really bad baseball lately, um, but it is. It is a three horse race, and I think it would be a mistake to count the Braves out of it. Now the Mets are in first place. They've been in first place. They deserve the moniker of being the front runner, but um yeah, the Phillies, uh the, the Braves are definitely in it. Uh, I want to take a quick look at those two teams' schedules. We've gone through the Philly schedule a bunch. We know how easy it is. Let's quickly just a quick scan through just to get a general feel. Obviously we can't do metrics and numbers, know exactly what the uh, winning percentages of the opponents, all that. But just just off the cuff, the Mets, right now, two more in Miami after losing the first and 0-2 in this series in Miami where the Phillies have gone 2-0 against the Nats in Washington. Two more in Miami tonight and tomorrow. Then they come uh, here to Philly. Three against the Phillies. Again, that's obviously, we know, a massive series. But then home versus Washington. Then listen to this stretch of baseball for the Mets from August 16th to August 26th. Listen to this. Three in San Francisco, best team in baseball right now. Four in Los Angeles, second best team or one of the best teams and also, you know, just for Scherzer, and Turner. Then three at home against San Francisco. So they have a 10-game stretch against the Giants and the Dodgers. That's massive. That is a spot to make up ground. After that, a nice stretch for the Mets where they have Their next 11 games, they have seven against Washington and three against Miami. Now, they've been struggling with Miami, so that's good. And also, Washington, we know, can always be a spoiler. Uh, And then three more against Miami. So, really, a uh, 14-game stretch. They played 10 in a row against the Giants and the Dodgers, then 14 in a row against the Marlins and the Nats. Then it gets a little tougher again here, really a lot tougher to end it, as they have three at home against the Yankees, always tough. Three at home against the Cardinals. Not super tough, but they're in it. Then three at home against the Phillies. So there are six games against the Mets left. Three here, three there. That's massive to keep aware of. And then three in Milwaukee against a Milwaukee team that is way out in first place. That's a tough one. Three-game series at home against Miami that you know could go either way. And then they end. This is big. The Mets end the season with a three-game series in Atlanta. So that's huge on a number of levels. Obviously, the fact that you know, it's a, a tough series for both, but also those teams can fight each other and the Phillies don't have to. The Phillies can gain games on those teams by just winning because one of them has to lose. Okay, uh, let's look at the Braves' schedule. Unfortunately, it's not as hard as the schedule that the, uh, that the Mets have for the second half of the season here as uh, it is, again, it's not, you know, it's in the Phillies' range more than the Mets' range, so to speak, in terms of ease. So for the Braves, uh, right now, they have two more in St. Louis before heading home for three against Washington, then three against Cincinnati. Then, uh, so that's easier. Three against Washington. Cincinnati is a, a tough team. They're only four out of the wild card. They're fighting. Then they go to Washington for three. Then Miami for three. Then Baltimore for three. It's a pretty easy stretch right there. A very easy stretch. Home for two against New York. Then home for three against San Francisco. Then home in in LA for three. So six games against the Giants and the Dodgers. Unlike the Mets who have 10 games there. This is a pretty easy schedule. Then they go to Colorado for four. The Rockies obviously stink. Then a home for six, three against the Nats, three against the Mets, then another three at home, excuse me, nine-game home stand against Colorado. Pretty easy. Now a little tougher on out at the end here. Three in San Francisco, four in Arizona, who's horrible. Then they end with three in San Diego, three at home against the Phillies. Massive, massive series there. And then three at home against the Mets, um, you know, looking at that, you know, it almost makes me feel like we should be more worried about the Braves than the Mets. Now, obviously, you know, look, the Mets are out in front. They're the team you're trailing, you're worried about. But um, and I do think the injuries the Braves have suffered and whatnot should, you know, really hurt them. But man, that brave schedule is easy. It is as easy as the Philly schedule, and the Braves, at least as far as we know, don't have a history of losing games they're supposed to, right? I mean, they've made the playoffs the bunch of last few years. They keep winning this division. There's a team that's, that's won in September that has won these games and know what it takes to win these games. So honestly, part of me, knowing who the Mets are and how the Mets go about their business and the injuries they've suffered and this and that, like, and DeGrom, who knows what's going to happen with him, I might be more worried about the Braves. It's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out, but I, I, the, the main takeaway is all three of these teams are in it. It's going to be a three-team race, if I had to guess, to the end. I think the Braves made nice moves at the deadline. Guys like Adam Duvall might not seem like a sexy ad, but that dude's going to help them win games. This is this is a fascinating thing, because so we had all kind of counted the Braves out because of the Acuna injury, because of the other injuries they've had, because of the earlier struggles. Um I think they're in it. I think it's a three-team race, and it's going to be really fascinating to see how this plays out. And look, it's going to be fun to watch this. It's going to be fun to to pay attention to these games, to track it, to see, you know, who wins, who loses. The the jockeying of position, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be nerve-wracking, but it's going to be fun. And look, as, as much as they've struggled, as frustrated as they've, they've been, it's real. Like, the Phillies have a real chance to win this division. They need to play good baseball. They need to not be quite as frustrating at times, but... Neither the Mets nor the Braves is running away with this. They're just not. So the Phillies have a real chance. They just got to go out and win some games. And it starts tonight with Chase Anderson on the hill. So fingers crossed on that one. Let's hope for the best. Um, but look, they've, they seem to win starts we don't expect all season. The Vinny starts, Matt Moore starts. They've won enough of those that uh, maybe they can take this one with Chase tonight. Have a chance to sweep the series. That would be huge. So big one tonight. Either way. We'll be back to react to it tomorrow. So until then, thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network.